0: we
1: just realized I don't have to say it in the same like cadence as Kitsy, and it just occurred to me and now I'm frozen with panic. Oh, no. You're listening. Sound like you're listening to left of the dial. I'm your host Andrea. <laughs> and tonight the role of Caleb Coy will be played by your most embarrassing live journal entry. Oh, no. I know. I know. I am, Everybody's turning off now.
2: I am so incredibly grateful that I don't remember any of the information for for mine. Because mm-hmm. that's just, that's piles of cringe.
1: Piles oh, yeah. and, and piles I of cringe. hate read my own journal constantly, I'm sure, if mm-hmm. I can find it.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, just feel bad about myself.
2: <laughs> it's like, I, I know, like, somewhere in there, there's probably, like, out of, like, a couple years worth of posts, there's probably like three lines that I could pick up, and like I could still use
1: that. Like,
2: That's still sad. Uh, but most Some of it is just like sad forever. Most of it is pretty sad still, but not, mm-hmm. in, not in the usable way. No. <laughs> Andrea, welcome back thanks you know welcome
1: it, back to you as well thank
2: you yeah it, 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 it' had been a little while I felt like I missed I missed I missed this this was I, I feel like I,
1: I just haven't seen you in so long it, and, so I'm you know you know what a cryer I am don't get me don't get me started uh, <laughs> it is it has been it it's been, it's um, been. <laughs> so odd to not have a weekly podcast to record. And yeah. it's been especially odd to not have set kind in particular because it's just been such a part of my routine and also pretty much the only time that you and I get to talk. I mean, yeah. I see and talk to Kitsy all the time, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so, old news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here today. Do oh, you want to would, i'm i'm glad the glad that you're
2: here and you know in, in in a lot of ways it feels like i'm talking to myself but you know in, in a good way
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah it's it's funny we don't often get to to both be on this podcast though we have at yeah. least at least once, just the two of us.
2: At least just once, just the two of us, and at least one or two other times with, with all three of us, and that was mm-hmm. that was a good time. But yeah. listeners, you, you will recognize a uh, a familiar voice. I hope familiar, if you if you've been <laughs> with us for a while. Uh, our dear friend, our uh, sometimes co-host, always always friend, uh, and sometimes uh, Caleb Standin, uh, and that would mm-hmm. of course be Andrea. Hi, Angie. Welcome, and uh, we're really excited. You know, we've we've been doing this show for uh, for just over two years, solid That's now. So
1: crazy, uh, so it's, crazy.
2: It's very, very wild to think about, like how much time has passed and how far we've come. The different format changes, stuff like that, and we we want to. You know, the music is is, is an ever changing and always fresh uh, thing. And we want to make sure that we're we're keeping step with that, and you know also you're taking care of our of ourselves here over at, at Night Shift Media, uh, and so you notice that the Kitsy isn't with us. Today. They have they have stepped away to uh, to really you know take some time for themselves and put a, a, as much focus as they can on the left of the dial live and left of the dial site and all the other really amazing stuff that we're doing here at left of the dial, and just take a step back from being like on mic all the time, which <laughs> I can totally understand, as anyone who's listened to multiple night shift shows will know, uh, I do a little bit too much of that myself. So the, the time may come for the, for me to do that in the future as well. But what we really want to do right now, uh, in addition to bringing back uh, our dear friend, Andrea, who has been a part of this for a long time, mostly behind the scenes, but sometimes on mic, uh, we also want to. We're going to be cycling through some some fresh voices and trying to get some some new people on the show and some new perspectives. And that's you know, personally, really exciting to me because you'll uh, if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll know that I will fully admit that as a forty uh, year old white guy who who came out of the you know the the punk and emo scene like. Twenty years ago or so, I'm not always the the most current and relevant voice in music, and I accept that. I understand that. I I will spout my opinions all day, but we really want to make sure that we're amplifying other voices here, uh, which is a good time for me to stop talking for just a moment. <laughs> and Andrew, what are we talking about today? Yeah,
1: I'm I'm excited too. I mean, as a as somebody who started first as a listener before I was even part of the network at all. Um I think it's it's been a real joy to listen to the two of you and and I've something that I've liked is is you getting to like experience new music in a way mm-hmm. that like maybe some of our listeners do too. So I think that that's yeah. also been valuable and I hope that you know people, you know, you and you and Kissy, I'm sure will still be um popping in and out. And Absolutely. I'm just I'm really excited too because I also, you know, uh, in terms of like demographics that we're representing here, um you know, I'm also in <laughs> Older, though still much, much,
2: much, much younger much than you younger.
1: and um, but, uh, but, you know, our um, our musical uh, tastes, I think, especially you and I, overlap quite a bit. That is and true. So I'm really excited to get some new, uh, younger, fresher, different, um, et cetera. Now I say like a gross marketing yeah. person, but really just in terms of like, I would like to, you know, be exposed to new music and and like you said, amplify some voices that we don't often get to hear. So I'm I'm super pumped. Um, yes. But with all that in mind, I brought, I think, for the episode title, I don't know that I'm going to say who um, I've brought to cover. Okay. So this might be the first time our listeners will know what they just listened to. Oh. Um, so I've brought six songs by <laughs> my favorite band and your favorite band, <laughs> Fallout Boy.
2: This has been one of my favorite running jokes of the show. Uh, <laughs> because listeners, uh, Out Boy is not, in fact, my favorite band. <laughs> but I know shocking revelation Sluzy. here on episode what 107 or whatever Something we're on. like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but they are my favorite band.
2: They are, and when Andrea has taken uh, taken on the role of being Caleb for the show, uh, they they become by proxy my favorite band. Uh, and you know, honestly, going back to the point of being kind of a. a, a an elder statesman in the scene everyone <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it was fallout boy hate was a was kind of like a low hanging fruit it really mm-hmm. was and mm-hmm. uh i i really appreciate the the picks that you brought to this cuz they will give me a chance to both explore why i was right and also why <laughs> i was wrong and uh i i'm i'm really looking forward to to kind of digging through uh, cuz i Full disclosure: I hadn't heard any of the songs that you proposed for this uh, previously. Awesome, that's um, kind
1: of what I was hoping.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't. I never really dug too deep into their catalog. Uh, there was the, the the couple of records that were like really popular. Those the the one with the blue cover where they're all sitting around like they're like. You know some some take dirty your, dirty Jersey punks that they are. <laughs> Is that take this Okay, yeah.
1: They're from Chicago. They, that's right. They are from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I always
2: forget that. I, don't, I just I associate them with the the Jersey scene, and I think that's probably because I of you, think, to be honest. Uh,
1: I I'm so happy to be uh, the cause of that confusion. <laughs> and out of Chicago comes this band that uh,
2: listen. I played a show with them long, long time ago. I don't
1: think I knew that.
2: Yeah, they are uh, they. Um, Technically, if you look just at the billing order of the, of the, of the scent, they opened for us, uh, <laughs> God awful, could not fucking play their instruments or sing a note to save their goddamn lives. That's and I just, very I, funny. I couldn't process why people were into this. And this was early days, like they, they hadn't quite blown up, but you could tell that the trajectory was going there. And I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't understand. I couldn't understand. I mean. What was it Wentz, the, the bassist, like mm-hmm. way too busy trying to impress people, spinning his bass around and, you know, <laughs> trying to like stay on his feet and not fall over to actually mm-hmm. play a note, uh, which is something that young Caleb did shit like that too, but figured out pretty quickly, oh, hey, it helps to actually play the notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't remember any of the names, but the dude couldn't sing. Like it was just, it was a mess. And so I based my opinion on that band for the, Uh, the next like 15 years or so, really Mm -hmm. on that experience and on like the occasional song out here, like, eh, whatever. But it was actually Kitsy who made me go back and listen to Take This to Your Grave uh, Mm -hmm. and realize that actually it's pretty fucking catchy.
1: Yeah, that Uh, (laughs) album, I I mean, I think that album rules, obviously. Um, I think... What, I'm, what I'd what i like to ask our listeners to do before we get much further is what I asked you to do, which was come to these songs. And I should also say I'm not here to, like, try to convince everybody that Fall Out Boy needs to be their new favorite band or that – um, I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of criticisms that I think are are definitely on point. And sure. I think a lot of what you're saying right now I agree with. So I don't want anyone to think that's the case. I just think this is a band who haven't gotten from, like, more serious – um, musical um, aficionados, I guess um, it's been. It was really hard for people. Has been really hard for people to separate the music from the sort of like cult of like personality that was yeah. Pete Wentz for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, and and being associated with like as like a band that only like teenage girls like. Which <laughs> I mean, fuck anybody who has a problem with that. Right. Like, first of all, but but I think that that's something that has given them you know a lot of um they've gotten a lot of like guff for so yeah. so i just want to start there and then now now you can i'm sorry i did interrupt you with that
2: no not at all not at all and i i really appreciated the the way that you presented like this here here's six songs and your your challenge to me was to basically uh approach them academically and objectively mm-hmm. uh and i loved that challenge and i especially loved that I didn't have any specific preconceived notions about these six songs. If you had said, mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk about Take This to Your Grave or it was the one with the tree or whatever. I don't know. anything. Anyway, I don't know. Oh, From
1: Under the Cork Tree.
2: Cork Tree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember snippets, but I don't remember <laughs> everything. I love this. If, if you had told me we're going to do, like, one of those, like, kind of bigger, well-known records, I'm, okay, whatever. Like, I, right. But uh, this first track, let, let's let's dive right into it. what What did we hear coming into the show today?
1: Um so the first song that that I chose and that everybody listened to is a song called The Art of Keeping Up Disappearances.
2: Which is um, right like on brand with the the, the wordplay. That's I think one of the, the most interesting and clever things about this band has always been like we just like ever so slightly twist a word here and there just mm-hmm. to, to make it yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um and it's uh off of their it's like a 2013 EP um, called "Paxam Sam Days. And Which, so well into their sort of like pop stardom that yeah. they, they pulled this one out.
2: Yeah. And this one surprised me a lot when I realized that it was from 2013 release because this this sounds like it would have been like the unreleased like pre-fame basement tapes days. Like this, this mm-hmm. sounds like a rough demo that was recorded in like someone's home studio in like you know, two thousand two or something like that. Uh, like, it, it's weird to me to think that this was a like kind of right at the the, the height of their their popularity, really. Uh, and they come out with this thing. And I'm curious yeah. if you have any like background on that.
1: Oh, I have I have so much background on it. Oh, I think let's go. Is, <laughs> I think this is a really um, kind of like smart and and interesting thing for them to have done. Um, I'm not gonna have this episode just be Andrea proving that she has a frankly, like um, a little scary and embarrassing encyclopedic knowledge of this band. Uh unchecked ADHD when you <laughs> have been listening to a band for I mean, almost twenty years now. Yeah. That's the other thing. I think people kind of still think of them as like or or for a long time, like thought of them as a sort of new ish band. I don't know I don't know how to explain exactly what I mean, mm-hmm. but like Take this to your grave came out in two thousand three, yeah. Um, so so this is ten years into their career that they're doing this, and the members of, of Fall Up Boy all came from these like kind of like like genuine hardcore and punk rock backgrounds. So it's it's not right. surprising, yeah, that they have this in them, right? And I think it's it's fun that as a band that is, their songs are often like really big super like produced songs with like yeah. just a lot of stuff going on that they they did this one so they did it right after um save rock and roll which was the album they dropped they were they like went on hiatus for a few years and we a lot of us kind of thought they were done okay and then they sort of like showed back up out of nowhere um in in 20, 2013 yeah. It was like from 2009 to 2013. And so Save Rock and Roll dropped. And again, it's a big, huge album. Like Elton John sings on it. Uh, Courtney Love is on it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's nuts. Um, I think it's a really great album. But all that to say. Then just like a few months after that, they like went back into the studio um, with Ryan Adams. And they did it in two days. So some of these songs are one take. Um a lot of them they came in with, like, bare bones for and just recorded through really quickly. Um, I picked – I'm trying to think why I specifically picked this one because I was torn between a few. I think this one just so, – it sounds to me like Fallout Boy playing a song like you said that they might have played, like, as they were figuring out what their sound was going to be. Yeah. As opposed to, like, doing an impression of – a different band or something like that, which I think uh, an EP like this could turn into. If that makes if that makes sense,
2: yeah. And I I think that that's really interesting to hear because if I had if I had known about this record when it came out, my thought would have been, oh, Fall Out Boy is trying to be punk. They're trying to, to get some some credibility with the quote unquote real punks. And know mm-hmm. that I don't use that term seriously at all. But right. that's like what my thought process would be that that's what they were trying to do because it, it it's incredibly uh <clears throat> raw sounding to the point of like i actually i think the production is bad but i blame that more on ryan adams uh, <laughs> because even like as shitty of a person as he is even his best songs sound like garbage to me um <laughs> and like that's that's a problem that that's difficult for me uh these are these are these are strong opinions they are my opinions they are they are not fact they are not objective um but yeah, th- this this song sounds super raw, super rough, super basement tapes, uh, and yeah, it it does sound like it sounds more like a, a young punk band, you know, writing short songs and like going hard, like you mm-hmm. know, playing forty songs in in you know twenty two minutes or something like that, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Which is interesting to to learn that this is actually uh, the shortest track on the the, the EP. Uh, I don't know how long the rest of them are, but this clock's in, like, just over a minute. It's, like, a minute and four seconds or something.
1: Yeah, they're all – I think they're all under two minutes. I could be wrong about that. But I think the EP It's like, there are nine songs and it's, like – there might be less than that even. And it's, like, 15 minutes long or something.
2: Yeah. And it's fast and short and they're, like – really rough sounding and there's this gnarly solo that just goes crazy in the middle that like mm-hmm. is borderline obnoxious but works with the rest of it <laughs> like I wanted I did I, I really wanted to hate it as soon as it started mm-hmm. I was like what is this but like <laughs> it, it works with what they're doing so uh, yeah like realizing now that this, like getting a chance to to see this from the other side, not like when it happened and think like, Oh, they're, they're just fucking posing like thinking back now, like, okay, this makes sense that like in the middle of their like meteoric rise, they're like, you know what, we're just going to do something that like is fun to us. And like kind of go back exactly. to our roots kind of do that. Like, Cause I can imagine that these guys were probably still listening to stuff like this and thinking like,
1: we should write a record like
2: this. And yeah, right. You, you throw together a few songs that are you know a minute, two minutes each, and boom, you're done.
1: <laughs> Exa- exactly. Yeah. And and a band that's been writing together this this long, and I think it probably, yeah. mean, yeah. I'm not surprised it came together as quickly as it did. Um, and yeah, do you know? Um, have you heard of slash? Are you familiar with the band The Damned Things? I'm not. No. It's so they're they're a quote unquote supergroup. Oh. Um, and the it's. Um, I just, go- I just tried to Google super group. That's not what i was going to look up. Um, Damn it's.
2: Things. And they are labeled by Google as a super group too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look it's Joe and Andy. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, Joe and Andy from fallout boy. So Andy's the drummer. Okay. Um, Joe is, uh, guitar. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um, and, uh. Oh, dude from Anthrax, okay. And then, yeah, every time I die,
2: yeah. And Alkaline Trio, Jesus, okay, yep, super group for sure. So,
1: so big super group. (laughs) Um, And that's a band where Andy and Joe definitely get to play music that sounds more like the kind of music they listen to. So you might, I really, I think they're a great band. I think I would like them even if I didn't grow up um, listening to Fall Out Boy because they're they're very different. Yeah. Um, they might be worth checking out for you and our, our listeners too.
2: It's super, super intriguing. I, I should check that out. Um, yeah, they're, they're a I, band. I pulled up photos and like I didn't I didn't remember who he was, but I instantly recognized Scott Ian. I was like,
1: Why do I oh, know yeah. this guy? And oh like, yeah, with that beard, that and...
2: beard and that smug face. I love
1: mm-hmm. it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and it but, rolls.
2: So like. I mentioned earlier on that like you showed me quite a range with these songs like this the the act of or art of keeping up disappearances is vastly different from the next track <laughs> you picked, which was
1: King of Segways hum hallelujah <laughs>
2: So yeah, this this song is really interesting for a couple of big reasons. And first of all, like right off the bat, it is, in my opinion, this song exemplifies why Fall Out Boy got as big as they did, why people liked them so much, Uh, because it is catchy as hell. Uh, Mm
1: -hmm. The
2: melody on it, like regardless of whether it can be executed live, uh, the melody (laughs) on it is fantastic. Uh, The the writing is clever. Um, Honestly, the... um, the the opening notes. I thought I was in for the uh, dead on arrival song, uh, <laughs> and then I realized like, wait, no, I haven't heard this song. Uh, and it's funny because uh, this is from Infinity on High. Yes, mm-hmm, am I right? all right? Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I knew some of the songs from this record. There's there's a, a like little snippets here, little samples from uh, across their career that I was familiar with, but given that I was actively avoiding them for a long time. <laughs> there, there's a lot of gaps to fill. Uh, but yeah, the, like it really jumps out at you right away. This is the, from a production standpoint, is the exact opposite of uh, the Paxam days. It's mm-hmm. very lush, very huge. The bass mm-hmm. in particular uh, is so huge and growly, which uh, will always get my heart, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And I, I think the the writing on this is is really interesting and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably provide some context for it but uh, just seeing a couple of things that like not only do they credit Leonard Cohen in the uh, as a writer which I, I think was a, a really good thing to do was the right thing to do given that they, mm-hmm. they referenced the song uh, but I also like that the story behind this song specifically references Jeff Buckley's version, which I know a lot of people think that Hallelujah as a song is Way overplayed, and to an extent I agree with him, um, but you will never catch me not tearing up to Buckley's oh, version. My God. Gra- the whole record, Grace, is a fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm, Buckley was mm-hmm. a, a legend gone before his time, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, just, it ups my respect for Pete Wentz that much to hear him like specifically reference uh, Buckley in uh, <clears throat> the overall like kind of tragic story of writing this song.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so so the tragic story there um listeners if you're not familiar so right before right before this album um Pete Wentz says it was like a pretty well publicized he's talked a lot about it um a suicide attempt in in a specifically in like a Best Buy parking lot mm-hmm. uh, and he was listening at the time to Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah Um, And this is a morbid thought, but if you've got to pick the song you think is going to be your last one, I think, yeah, you could do (laughs) much worse than that one. Um,
2: The way he describes it, I got in my car. I remember I was listening to Jeff Buckley doing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. I sat there and took a bunch of Adivan in the Best Buy parking lot. And -hmm. like, that visual is like vivid. Like, Mm -hmm. that is something like. I, I can I can picture that exact moment in time the way he describes it in so few words.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so this song is probably, depends on the day you're talking to me, but um, this is in my top three. I actually did manage to fit my three favorite Fall Out Boy songs in this list. Awesome. though So that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't, you know, they're my favorite songs for a reason. So it makes sense that they made this list, though I wasn't just trying to show you my like listeners, here are six songs that are my favorite, and now you know. Um, there's a little more to it than that, um, but but I think yeah, that story is really um, sort of like I don't know, poignant, I guess, mm-hmm. in the way that that he talks about it. And there are there so one of the things about Fall Out Boy that I think I agree with people sometimes is that sometimes they are too. They they try to be so clever that it goes past that and it moves into, like, cheesiness. Yeah. Like, there are some lines in some songs that I just can't – I, like, can't listen to at this point. They just make my, like, secondhand embarrassment <laughs> kick in. Oh,
2: oh, there is a word for that. Okay, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's what it – that's – and I am so – I'm so sensitive to that. Um, yeah. And so, so I'm just, like, I'm hearing them all in my head right now and I don't even want – but – this this song does not do that, in my opinion. I think there are really smart, like clever twists on wordplay, like you were talking about with the art of keeping up disappearances. Mm-hmm. Um, these lines: uh, the the road outside my house is paved with good intentions. Hired a construction crew because it's hell on the engine. Yes, uh, I just I, I hear that sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, man. I get it. Like uh-huh. we're we're all trying, but you know.
2: And it's interesting how uh, someone writing a song about processing their own uh, feelings and their own trauma can uh, can can like really speak to like other people processing grief in different ways. And I think of the mm-hmm. line, "I love you in the same way." There's a chapel in a hospital, yeah. one foot in your bedroom and one foot out the door. Like, mm-hmm. that's a hard hit. Like. You know, if you're going through a particularly difficult you know, separation from a partner or if you're dealing with the grief of a loss of a loved one or, like, mm-hmm. any number of situations you can think of, like, this whole idea, like, it's it's fleeting and it's fading and, like, we tried. <laughs>
1: exactly. exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that that lyric in particular has gone back and forth in my brain because I think there are a couple of different ways you can read it and there is... The the one that is just like, well, there's a chapel in a hospital because that's often where people go to die. And so (laughs) people are there, like, praying for, for, you know, a miracle. But it's also like, I don't, any vow that you make in a chapel in a hospital um, can, doesn't have to be, like, you can make a vow in that hospital and it can be very fleeting. The,
2: The vows made in those situations aren't exactly binding. Like, exactly. Desperation's a powerful force. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. So and I think that's that's just it's it's a very clever little little turn.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's you you, you listen to to songs like this, and obviously we know uh, that, that that it was written based on a, a, a real life difficult situation. But sometimes, if you don't know the background, you listen to a song like this, and you you think like, "Is this person all right?" Yeah, how, they and, uh, how, they, how they doing? How are they doing? And in, in some cases, you know what? The kids aren't all right.
1: No. Ooh. Oh! Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was so perfect, but I do have one last thing to say about this song because I have I have a question and I okay. don't know that you'll be able to answer it for me but I'm hoping some musician somewhere will. All right. Uh, we're not done with the this in-
2: segment but listeners remember <laughs> that I had the perfect segue.
1: It was <laughs> so good. You know what I'll do? When we're when we're done this I'll edit it back in. I won't cut any of this. <laughs> just I'll just put it back in. <laughs> so they can hear it twice. That's what we'll do.
2: Excellent. Excellent.
1: So um And real quickly, one thing I just realized that people might not be aware of if you're not familiar with Fall Out Boy, the person singing the songs is not the person who writes the lyrics. Um, The Pete Wentz, the bassist, he writes the lyrics or he writes versions thereof. The story goes that he hands Patrick just like notebooks, probably at this point they're like Google Docs or whatever, just full of basically like poetry and Mm -hmm. then Patrick does surgery on them and turns them into songs. He used to write all of the music, and that's become much more collaborative across the band at this point. Um, but so keeping all of that in mind, okay. um, the, the lyric in the chorus, so hum hallelujah, just off the key of reason. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, there is a post that has gone around um, the Internet for a long time, and it is from somebody named Redheaded Fangirl. And it goes like this. The title is Fall Out Boy is so clever. So a few days ago, I was doing some piano practice on Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen when I kind of made a mental connection. I was screwing around with the key of the main Hallelujah phrase. I started it out in its original key of C. I then transposed it up to the key of D when I noticed it sounded familiar. After consulting my iTunes library, I noticed that the Fall Out Boy song Hum Hallelujah uses the key for the Hallelujah phrase during the bridge. Uses that key, excuse me. Um, that key being um, the key of D Mm -hmm. for the hallelujah phrase during the bridge. After listening to hum hallelujah all the way through, I paid extra attention to the line hum hallelujah just off the key of reason. And that's when it clicked in my brain. The key of C is also known as the key of reason, and hum hallelujah is written in the key of D. They literally hum hallelujah just off the key of reason. Now that's a beautiful thing. So smart, so clever. Okay. However, I have been able to find no proof that... C is known as the key of reason. And in fact, all I could find when I searched the key of reason is other people looking for this information. Hmm. And so like a post on Reddit, um from somebody, musician Redditors, is the key of C really called the key of reason? I was researching the lyrics of Hum Hallelujah. I <laughs> came across the explanation at Genius regarding this and why Hum Hallelujah is played in D sharp major or whatever. Problem is, Google search turns up absolutely nothing about such a term. Help a guy out. And it's a lot of people being like, C is called the key of reason because it's the root of the piano. On piano, middle C divides bass and treble clef. And therefore, is the key of reason because without it, the piano would have no divider. And like, I I know with my very limited musical... Um, uh, I don't know. Back, what's what's the word that I want? I whatever. Um, that that, the, the description of middle C there is correct, the, though I've never heard again yeah. anybody use the phrase "key of reason." Um, and it's again a lot of people saying stuff like that. Like that's why it's called that. But the only reference to it I can find is that person saying that it's that middle C is the key of reason, and so if. Anybody has heard that phrase before and has a source for it, Caleb? Any like I would, I would love to know if this is true.
2: Yeah, I feel like I vaguely remember hearing that that term used at least once, but that could also just be the way that memory can insert itself when mm-hmm. you have new information. Um, that said, I I can't say that I'm familiar with that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some like deep apocrypha amongst like, classically trained musicians that just, like, it's just referred to that casually, like, in, in, like, certain circles or even, like, formally in certain circles, but not, like, broadly known. I don't know. It, it's definitely possible. Um I feel like the the impression that I got from the, the song Too uh, soon. was... Um, <laughs> the
1: boss just broke up.
2: Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh it was more along the lines of whoever did the this... Uh, a little blurb contribution on genius uh, about it being more like you, you like, uh, so this person says the song focuses on pressing on with life, even when it's regular melodies hit off key, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think that that, that, it, that is almost definitely part of it, but it wouldn't shock me to know that like one of these guys had heard the key of C being called the, the key of reason and wrote the song like this. Uh, that said, Um, I, without going through and comparing, I I would assume that they probably write a lot of their songs in this particular key because it it sounds and feels, this is not a dig. It sounds and feels like a lot of their other songs and Mm -hmm. a lot of artists will do that. Like they'll, they'll pick a key that is, uh, particularly comfortable for their vocal range and like maybe for like the style that they like to play certain chords, sound you know, significantly better played in one key versus another, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, certain melodies work totally different if you just bump it up or down an octave. There are reasons to do that. Uh, ha-ha, there are reasons. So, you know, it just acknowledging that I have not given this cre- this band enough credit throughout the years. I will give them the, the the benefit of the doubt that somebody did that on purpose.
1: I I hope for for my sake and theirs and this person on Tumblr, that that is the case. I'd, I'd love to to know for sure. I think that's, it I would have been nice Easter if, eggs.
2: <laughs> it would have been nice if one of them would fucking chime in and mm-hmm. answer the damn question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you but, could put this to rest, Wentz and Stump. It's on you. Sure
1: <laughs> just the worst law firm. <laughs>
2: um, From the law offices of Wentz and Stump. Wentz and Stump. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so. are you dealing with a Grand Theft
0: Autumn?
1: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and right here is where I'm going to drop in your your killer segue, just back to back Caleb hits.
2: Yeah, and you know it's you, you you listen to to songs like this, and obviously we know uh, that, that that it was written. Based on a, a real life difficult situation. Sometimes, if you don't know the background, you listen to a song like this and you you think like, Is "This person all right? <laughs> yeah, uh, how they doing? How they doing? And in, in some cases, you know what? The kids aren't all right. No, oh, ooh, oh! okay. Now I'm not gonna say that there's not a very strong Foster the People vibe on the intro of this song.
1: Oh, huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to the point where I actually looked up when did Pumped Up Kicks come out? It was released in 2010. This record record was released in 25. I think uh probably unintentional, but uh definitely feel a little bit of an influence on the the intro. The the whistling and the like this kind of like slow, steady beat of it.
1: That's yeah, that's that's funny. I hadn't I've never made that connection, but now that you said that I won't be able <laughs> to to not whenever I listen to this song.
2: Which uh not directly related to this episode, but uh Pumped up kicks is my favorite reference point for how uh, the vast majority of people don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> you know, the feel good hit of the summer that was about <laughs> school shootings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's... I think and and I, I I will reiterate that you have brought me the the most interesting uh, buffet of <laughs> Fall Out Boy tracks here. Uh, because again, this is also very different from the, the other tracks that we've, we've heard so far. Uh, and I would go so far as to say, this is one of the most interesting Fall Out Boy songs that mm. I've ever heard. And I don't mean that as like, oh yes, it's, it's, interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, yeah, oh yes indeed. Uh, no, I mean that like the, the things that they do in this song musically, um, both with the, the instruments and the, the melodies are, to me, very standout compared to a lot of the other stuff. Most of stuff, uh, the stuff is these big, huge anthemic songs. Uh, Stump is, like, stretching the top of his range and Studio mm-hmm. Magic makes it work. Uh, b- so
1: I hate to, to, as far as I know, and people can believe me or not, um, I think... Their most recent album, Mania, this is not the case for, though I think it was very intentional. But for a very long time, um, Patrick swears slash swore that no auto-tune on his vocals. That Um, could be true. I would believe that. And it's, I think, people who saw that band play live in their early years when, I mean, he was still in high school when that band started. Yeah. And had no vocal training. Yeah. At all. Um, if you watch him now, and so, Caleb, you weren't here, obviously, for our favorite covers episode, uh-huh. um, but I did bring uh, Fall Out Boy's cover of Under Pressure. Okay. That, and it's live, and he crushes it. Okay. Um, and, I mean, he is hitting notes that I didn't know existed. Uh, so, <laughs> Like I said, so
2: most of my information there is very dated because I have not seen them live since probably 2002 mm-hmm. or three. Uh-huh. but
1: but i think and there are live performances he's, he's very smart because there are live performances of this song where you can feel him holding back a little bit throughout where normally these notes kind of like soar but then the last that last chorus he knows he's got to do it and he he nails it yeah um so uh, so I, all that to say when,
2: <laughs> when i say studio magic it's not necessarily to imply that uh, that it's auto-tune or like manipulation of it uh, but studio magic sometimes is literally just the fact that you get you get to do it again until it's right. And it again. <laughs> you get someone behind the board saying, that was good, do it again. <laughs> that was perfect. One more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but where this track really stands out is that there's a lot more dynamic range to it. Uh, you know, the, the verses, like the intro and the verses are this just like drony, like palm mute, super wet reverb, uh, you know, kind of like just really like sparse it's these staccato notes that just like kind of leave a lot of space in between and you hear the like the reverb echo out uh and then like, it starts to build with, a, like, really cool walk-up part in the, like, just before the chorus. And then suddenly the mm-hmm. chorus is this huge anthemic huge. thing. But it's still, it's it's slower. It's not, like, you know, we we get used to, like, their big pop-punk dancey songs uh, and, like, big sing-alongs. But this mm-hmm. is a bit more, almost feels, like, more intentional. Uh, like, this, this huge... Uh, moment in this track and it, like it starts to dabble a little bit almost in synth pop too uh, which I think is really neat like they, they do a little bit more with layering the instrumentation on this than I mm-hmm. think I've heard them do in other stuff you know, towards the end you get that r- really interesting uh, piano track where like the first few times through it's literally just a single note and then it's just like single note walk down uh-huh. uh, and it's super simplistic to the point where like Real talk, even I could play that, but it works <laughs> so well in the song. And like, I don't play piano, so like, but I could mm-hmm. do. You could plunk that. it out. I could plunk that out. And, but like, <laughs> I I love when when something's so simple like that that if they didn't include it, you wouldn't miss it. But because it's there, it makes so much sense. Uh,
1: and I think that that's really cool. I'm I'm glad that you think that that's really cool. Um, it's, I pretty self-serving of me to bring these songs here because a lot of them are ones where like I said not necessarily my favorites but ones where I'm like this song is doing something that is affecting me Mm -hmm. and I don't have the like uh musical (laughs) understanding uh despite the fact that I'm I'm here and going to be here um quite a lot for, (laughs) for a little while um but to to know why it's affecting me and I think it's it is things like that you know these like you these just little moments that you're not expecting right because I think Mm -hmm. no matter how much music you do or don't play if you listen to a lot of music some music can be really boring and tired because we've heard it all before Mm -hmm. and there's probably a version of this song that doesn't have those little things that that make it really interesting you know where it just does become a kind of like I don't know like boring, like, written to be sung along in a stadium with a bunch of people. Because I think this album in particular, uh, some of my favorite Fall Out Boy songs are on this album. Some of my least favorite Fall Out Boy songs are on this album. And it is the one. It's got four singles. There might be more than that, but four singles in particular that were huge. Um, So there's a song called Irresistible that was – I shouldn't say huge. That was a pretty big single. Um, But then on top of that, there was – a song called centuries that was everywhere for a while and i think it made it into like a lot of sports stadiums oh, and stuff yeah, yeah yeah that
2: was the hmm.
1: so i could see yeah this album i can imagine turned da, 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 a lot of people da, off to this band da, da,
2: da, da. that made it in fucking pitch perfect franchise
1: <laughs> right exactly and then a single called immortals which okay. to me felt I, I get those two songs confused um they're like to me, they're very similar. Big, like, stadiums, sing-along anthems. That one ended up in Big Hero 6.
3: Okay. Um, it was, like,
1: the theme for that movie. Um, and then Uma Thurman, which is, uh, they're, like, kind of, like, ser- like I don't, like, it samples the monsters theme. I think it's really fun, but it was everywhere for a minute. Hmm. Um, and so, all that to say, there are songs on this album that I think do fall into that for me. Where I'm like, all right, I get it. Like, you've done it twice, three times on this album. Um, so... The Kids um, Aren't All Right, I think is a, a, yeah, is is different for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, so I think now's probably a good time to um, take a break. We'll listen to The Kids Aren't All Right. We've done a lot of talking about it, so now everybody gets to hear it. Yeah. And then we'll listen to some ads, I think, probably featuring one of the hosts right now. Um, and. His uh, killer new podcast, killer oh, new podcast. Because hey. it's spooky, <laughs> spook nuggets. And uh, <laughs> every time I see spook nuggets <laughs> on Twitter, so that it really gets me. <laughs> um, and uh, and then when we come back, there'll be more uh, Fallout Boy.
3: leads in other people's dreams now buzz 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 dark there's a hole where something was dark there's a hole
1: like that bringing us back because if you haven't listened to second edition one you have no idea why caleb would be yelling report (laughs) nor why caleb yelling report would make me cry (laughs) god i miss that podcast and that show so much
2: it was it was a lot of fun uh, fun. we'll we'll have to figure out a, a reunion show sometime
1: I would, I would, we've been done for like 30 seconds and I'm already playing <laughs> reunion shows. It's really, we have to go back, you know, like, well, we,
2: we do have to go back.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, you're the, you're the king of transitions, but let's pretend there was a good one here. And now we're talking about Fall Out Boy again. And uh, what did we hear coming back in from the break? We heard um, the disloyal order. I, I think it's disloyal. Yeah, it disloyal
2: order of the water buffaloes. Which is great because that's very much a Flintstones reference. <laughs> 100%.
1: Oh, for
2: for those of you olds in the audience, <laughs> uh, the, the loyal order of water buffalo being uh, the lodge to which uh, Fred and Barney belonged. We also – we just got through talking about how uh, – things in music will remind us of other music and largely like, uh, actually, um, last week, uh, when we were talking about, uh, Charlotte Sands, I was talking to kids about how, like basically every track on that AP reminded me of some other pop singer, <laughs> but I didn't mean that in a bad way at all. I meant that in a way that like, it's cool that like, I recognize pieces of, uh, other more popular, more famous, whatever, uh, musicians in, uh, Charlotte's songwriting, and you can kind of hear that the homage sometimes it's very blatant, sometimes it's subtle. And uh, you know, went into the whole thing with uh, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. uh, with like getting Paramore, you know, and, with uh, Paramore and, and other artists who like coming after for writing credits and all this, like which all of that I think is bullshit. And you know, I've, I've gone on that rant before, I don't need to do it again. <laughs> but when it comes to a band like Fall Out Boy, there are certain things that. You could not convince me we're not intentional. And the Teenage Wasteland reference in this track, (laughs) if you tell me that they did that on accident, I will tell you, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Because there's no way that was an accident. That riff is so iconic.
1: Yeah, I would be... (laughs) I would be very surprised.
2: And even Um, like... Like, it, it's not the, the same type of sound, but even the way they come in with an organ is still very reminiscent of that era uh, of music. And it's not
1: or, unlike them. They they don't shy away from... In fact, I mean, they're, like, there are plenty of, um, especially in albums after Folio. do, um, there are... They, Get, they are free and happy to, to sample away mm-hmm. um, and to bring in other musicians. Like Elvis Costello is on this album. Yeah. Um, I think Debbie Harry is on this one. So it's not like they're afraid to admit that music before their music exists. Um, oh, wait. I think, yeah.
2: Ah, here we go. There's a, a, a note from the, the Genius Overview. Mm-hmm. Some fans have noticed that the song has a similarity <laughs> in chord with compared oh. to The Who's <laughs> Bubba O'Reilly, which I can never remember. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the song because mm-hmm. – I'm sorry. It's Teenage
1: Wasteland. I'm sorry,
2: The Who. That's a dumb song. and <laughs> Dumb title name. Teenage Wasteland was the name of the song. Uh, since the emphasis on the first note of this three chord progression is an octave lower than The whole than the Who's rendition, it's probable that this was unintentional. No, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I this was 100% actually... <laughs> intentional.
1: Well, I think that actually is proof. Or not proof, but lends more to it being intentional. Yeah, because they were because... writing
2: in a different key and yeah. still did the thing.
1: Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> Um, I have to get this brain poison out now or it's going to be in my head all night, totally unrelated to anything. But whenever I hear the phrase Baba O'Reilly, I think of um, uh, um, Billy Joel's uh, song. Shit. I think of Billy Joel's song, Moving Out, to Sergeant O'Leary, but Baba O'Reilly fits perfectly. So I always think, Baba O'Reilly is walking the beat. At night he becomes a bartender. Um, So I just had to. To, to get that out so now I can sleep tonight.
2: My uh, my first reactions are always uh, split right down the line between uh, Baba O.J. from uh, Arrested Development and <laughs> O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, poor Baba, man. That's... Uh, <laughs> came on hard times, but, you know, now he's a business owner. Good for him. Teenage wasteland. <laughs> so, oh, it's such a good song. I don't care. Uh, anyway. So I... It was,
2: it was a little iffy on the organ intro. All right, then it comes in and like, okay, here's the teenage wasteland homage. I dig that. I'm all right. And then like towards the end of the 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 first verse, like lyric writing and melody starts to get a little weird. I'm like, ah, you're kind of <laughs> losing me. And the chorus comes back in and it's 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 again, it's really catchy. It's interesting writing. And you know what? Uh, I don't think I want to hear you sing about anything but tragedy. Patrick Stump.
1: I don't think it would. We know what your band is.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would work if you tried to sing about anything. <laughs> i like, uh, we've, we've like, at least going back to when we, uh, we talked about, um, little by little by Harvey danger, the track happiness, mm-hmm. Writes white. Like to me, that's a, it's a very difficult thing to put into words, but it is very hard to write about being happy. It mm-hmm. like, Everything comes out when you're when you're down when when life is crushing you uh, but like when you're happy, a lot of times you don't even think about writing or I mean, when you when you start to to sit down to write like it's hard to it's hard to write happiness that doesn't come across as just corny or cheesy like yes, yes I mean tragedy does that too, but like it it tugs at people enough that they tend to forgive or ignore the, the corniness mm-hmm. in favor of the like, yes, I too feel bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the line, nobody wants to hear you sing about tragedy. I would believe that uh, like somebody said that like as a, a jab to, to Pete Wentz like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you, you're perfect boys. You're perfect lies. Nobody cares about you. Like you being sad. Like, yeah, I, I can believe that somebody actually said that, but in reality, no, I, the reason your Ex- band exists is because everybody wants to hear you sing about
1: tradition. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, um, I, I struggled with whether or not to include this song. I thought this one might be the most challenging. Um, like if, if I had to order, put in order which songs I thought you might like versus which ones you wouldn't, this is right at the top of might not like. Okay. Um, this one also came off of their most sort of like, um, uh, to, I This is one of those words, again, I have two, well, I have, let's, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, as like an English teacher, I'm mm-hmm. about to say a word that I don't think, I, I like always question divisive, divisive, divisive. Oh. I divisive. say divisive, but I think
2: divisive is also appropriate.
1: Is Or is that like, maybe that's like how Baltar would say it? Uh, yes. Divisive.
2: <laughs> that is absolutely how Baltar would say it. So I've gotten very nitric. divisive.
1: <laughs> this is their last album before they went on hiatus. Um, it was m- fans at the time like least favorite album. Fall Out Boy is a band where every single album. Critics would say something like, This album marks a major departure from the Fall from Fallout yeah. Boys sound. Of it's course. like you have said that after every single album. Every Sooner single album.
2: You have to accept that that's just their sound.
1: That's what they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's their thing. So relax. But I think this one really is pretty different from the albums before and also the ones after. Um, and they had been touring. They this is album number four between the years 2003 and 2008 with huge tours in between. I had seen them like an embarrassing amount of times in that five years because they were always on tour. Um, And so this is a band who's been worn really thin at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, This album was not... I mean, critics, I think, seemed to like it at first. Um, Fans, not so much. And so this album dropped at the end of 2008. And by... November two thousand nine, they were on hiatus. So
2: is this is their Pinkerton.
1: <laughs> I think this might be their Pinkerton, um, and it. I mean, like, it is a rough. I, I think this album is really fun, interesting. I think it has some really cool songs on it. I think it is. It feels very disjointed to me. Again, as someone who's not a musician, um, I think this song. Uh, it's funny that you said the melody is is one of the things that started to like get to you. I think it's really fun. This is like one of my favorite songs to sing along to in the car by myself.
2: Fair enough. Um,
1: So I don't, I don't, I don't know why I can't explain what that's about, but it's true. And um, I saw them. So they were a band who at this point was playing huge, huge venues. Uh, But right before this album came out, and I think it's a good sign that they were not feeling great about the situation they were in and kind of like Pete once was at the height of being so famous. He had, like, just married Ashley Simpson right oh, around this geez, time. I forgot and, about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So things were not going well for for them, for this band, just kind of, like, on a personal level. Yeah. Um, I always think of the the video for Don't Speak, No Doubt, where, like, they're doing the, like, she's on the cover of, of Rolling Stone or whatever, and they, like, edit out the band, that kind of stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of that happening. Uh. Um, all that to say, they went on this teeny-tiny, I think it was, like, six or seven dates club tour that was, like, kept very secret. I don't even remember how I found out about the tour, other than probably I was like probably still on their old mailing list or something. And so I saw them play. Um, it was like it was the day after Obama was elected. And um, Neat. at yeah, it was a really like <laughs> fun and hopeful time, especially because I didn't know Fall out Boy was about to break up less than a year later. <laughs> um, but uh, at uh, the North Star Bar, which was a, a, a tiny club in Philly, really great club, no longer there of course um but which is how i came up watching them so getting to go back and see them play in the way that they were playing in 2003 2004 yeah that's Um, very cool mm -hmm. but but i say that because it seems like they were probably trying to get back a little of the magic from the early days and it was not was not enough and i think that's again a big reason is because this album was received the way it was by fans um they they tell stories about being like coming out to play songs off of this record at their own shows and getting booed. So like that's that's no fun. Um, and so again, all that to say, this this album is a pretty tricky one. I think to kind of get into for a lot of people, though now, and I don't know how much of this is um, people trying to be like uh, ahead of the of the game, but saying that like this is their favorite Fall Out Boy album now. Um, yeah. It's 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 fun to see how that how that has changed. It is interesting so that,
2: to see people people say that, especially here in mm-hmm. the, the the background. But and you yeah, know, like there will always be. I mean, for for me, like, like I I made the reference, but Pinkerton was was and still is my favorite Weezer record. And mm-hmm. uh, it, to me, it kind of makes sense that the record I most identified with was the one where things were falling apart the most <laughs> for, for the band. Right. Uh, and so like I feel like there will always be the people who like. Right from the get-go, they're like, yes, this is the one. And then there will be the people who later on realize, like, oh, wait, like, I didn't give this nearly enough credit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then most of the rest are, well, like, you know what? Their opinion doesn't matter.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. This is a band that I think also it's important what age you are because I think if you're a little older than I am. So I'm very close in age to the youngest members of that band. And so I've... Because of that, I feel like I've kind of grown up with these albums, so I was mm-hmm. more open to them being different. Um, if that, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, it does. Because you're kind of you're, your life experience is changing
2: at the same time as as these people, and you, you're maybe not having a, like an equivalent life experience mm-hmm. to this band that's skyrocketing to fame and being taken apart in the public eye, but. You're still like at that same same point in your life, so yeah it, it makes sense to me.
1: good, thank you. I, I feel better now um, <laughs> so so yeah, so it was you know it's a it's a pretty um divisive divisive album, I think. Uh, talked a lot about that one that's, so. a, that, that's a good pick
2: that i'm I'm glad that you chose it, and I gotta imagine that uh the the title of the the next track is is an acronym. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, I understand the context behind this without reading anything more than what the, the acronym stands for, which is, if I'm not mistaken, gay is not a synonym for shitty.
1: Yes, correct.
2: But I can also imagine knowing, knowing the, these band mem, uh, members, uh, you know, what they looked like, how they, they acted, how they dressed and whatnot, and knowing how other people at that time who looked, acted, dressed, sang, performed, etc., like them were treated,
0: mm-hmm. that
2: the, the acronym for the song surprises me not at all. Um, what does surprise me is some of the little things that stand out in, in listening to this track. Uh, little things like... The harmony on that, in, in the first verse, that line, true blue, is fucking flawless.
1: <sighs> Caleb, 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 <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. That, okay, okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That, so, when I say those, like, collection of songs that have moments that give me goosebumps every time, oh. true blue. <laughs> true blue makes my heart feel like it's too big for my chest. Like, uh-huh. it is, there is something specifically something about that that is just oh oh god Mm -hmm. i wish i could like bite into it it's so good
2: you don't see it coming either Mm because like Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of harmonies on follow-up songs and uh specifically like not necessarily in the 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 verses and they're not usually ones that really stand out there there are Mm -hmm. harmonies that that work they support the melody and they carry it along whatnot but you don't really think about them that much at least I don't, I, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, the royal you, uh, but that <laughs> one stands out so much and it like just comes out of nowhere and just like you said, like reaches in and just kind of grips your heart for a second mm-hmm. and then let's go. And then <laughs> the, that melody on the pre-chorus uh, is so good, so huge. And then like back into the, the second v- verse, um that like acoustic that's picking in the background that's just Mm -hmm. like it's loud enough to hear but subtle enough to like it's more of a feeling than anything that cuts (laughs) more of a feeling (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 so like these little touches that again like if they didn't put it in there you wouldn't notice you wouldn't care but because it's there it it takes the song up uh, a whole level uh, that, that you just, I honestly, like I don't expect that from this band. And I, I, if I had listened to them all along, I would, I should, but I don't. And this is, these are pleasant surprises for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will say is particularly the chorus of this song, this like to me is, th- this is peak what I think of when I think of Fall Out Boy, yes. they're like quick, like big high high nose. <laughs> hey. Uh, and yeah, if I if I put enough uh, effort into you know, like pulling specific memories out of my brain, because you know how bad my recall is, I could probably name <laughs> you at least half a dozen bands without too much effort that I think specifically based their entire style and approach to music around the chorus of this song like they wanted to be the chorus of this song in Uh everything that they did and I don't again like that's that's not a dig at anyone that's just like I can hear this as a specific influence on a lot of musicians Mm -hmm. and while that's not the takeaway that I would have had from this song uh clearly it was for other people Uh, but (laughs) um that's there there's a there's a lot to love in this song
1: uh, that makes me so happy. This is this is almost always my favorite Fallout Boy song. It might be, it might, it's in my top five favorite songs ever okay. of all time. All right. It's a song that I cannot play out. Like I I get on kicks where I have to like, there's a song that I'll need to listen to for like three days on repeat and then not again for a year. Yeah. The song is not that. I could listen to the song forever and and be happy about it. Okay. All um, right. I think what you said about it being like peak fallout boy i think that's exactly right um i i think this is the most representative of what people think of when they think of fallout boy right maybe mm-hmm. um, unless you're somebody who really hates them and haven't really listened to anything beyond the the radio singles um but this cool. is such a I just, yeah, this oh, song again, is, is killer.
2: Going back and looking at the track listing for Infinity on High, which this is the only, uh, I think this is the only song, uh, or I should say that's the only record where we do more than one song from. I think the rest are on one each, if I'm not mm-hmm, mistaken. Yeah. yeah,
1: and this is technically, um, it was like a bonus track. Okay, bonus track. Yeah. So it didn't even, yeah, it wasn't even suppose, on the uh, the regular. Yeah,
2: because yeah, this track listing on Genius is 19 tracks long. But yeah, there's some mm-hmm. live versions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Looking at the track list, track listing for this record, like this is most of what, like between mm-hmm. uh, "Take This to Your Grave" and this, and most of what I know of Fall Out Boy are from right. those two records, uh, and I think that it's really interesting that uh, they also are very different records, uh, mm-hmm. and yet in, in my mind, I never really took the time to think about how uh, how diverse and varied the, their catalog actually is. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of elements that. That recur, that repeat, that like, you hear a Fall Out Boy song, you know it's a Fall Out Boy song, unless it's mm-hmm. Panic at the Disco song, uh, <laughs> in which case you can be forgiven for making that mistake. I I thought <laughs> the the goddamn door song was Fall Out Boy for a long time until I'm like, what the fuck is Panic at the Disco? Who's <laughs> who's panicking at a disco? What are we talking about? This Let's... is just shut up and listen to the Fall Out Boy song. <laughs> Like no, Caleb, you're not getting it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Clearly, you, I'm not. <laughs> you and and many many other people, um, they played skate and surf, or it may have been bam bamboozled by then, which was like a Jersey. I've been there. Yeah, it's, it was the best. It was the best. <laughs> and then we have both we've both bamboozle been there. once, actually. did you yeah i don't that's remember so what year funny. but i definitely did i i mean if if it was called bamboozle when you played i was also there hell yeah um, cuz it was only it was skate and surf <laughs> for a very long time it was only bamboozle for a few years um so that's so funny um who are these clowns <laughs> exactly Fallout boy um, but uh <laughs> but um they they played that one year where they came out and Oh God! It's been it's been it's been so long. I'm trying to remember exactly in my head. No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, they like played a little bit of um, a Panic song and then went in. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They're they <laughs> well aware of the of that. Also, Panic literally would not be a band if not for Fallout Boy. No, like it like like very literally, Pete started a label so he could sign that band. I they had not played a live story. show yet. Like they. So, so it, it makes sense. Um,
2: And you know what? Nobody would have listened to the goddamn door song if it weren't for Fall Out Boy.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Um, The goddamn door song. Fall Out Boy
2: walked so that Panic! at the Disco could close the goddamn door.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fall Out Boy was raised in a barn.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which... Actually leads me to the the next and possibly best of my segues. But f- before I do it, I feel like we need to take a moment. Like, is there anything we need to 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 cover? Like, what's what's new in in our world?
1: Um. Well,
2: I know uh, live shows were on hiatus as we we're trying to be responsible citizens of mm-hmm. this uh, ongoing apocalyptic hellscape. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was a, a tentative hope that they would be resuming uh, in. I guess I can technically say this month, because when this airs, it'll be February, right? February.
1: I think yeah. a week or two from now, depending on when this one goes out, I'm not exactly sure. We should be back with our first one, which I believe is Teenage Bigfoot. Ooh. Um, and then, so I believe that one's the
2: 19th. Teenage um, Bigfoot oh. sounds like i never heard of it movie.
1: <laughs> it really does. Oh, no, now I want that movie. Damn. Um but I'll post links, obviously, in the show notes as 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 always. Um, and dear forbidden, so two two really great um, um, sessions. that I'm super excited for. I can't wait to get back in the studio. Um, I think those are the two. We have a new editor in chief over at the over at our site or like to the bio website. Excellent. Um, G- yeah, Jen, um, who is so great and so much better at hitting deadlines and responding to emails than I am, <laughs> and a really great writer. Um, and and really great person and and we're so excited and today is officially her first day as editor in chief so
2: that's so, so awesome yay. I'm I'm um, excited to hear that because I I know that uh, for for listeners if you're not paying attention to left to the uh, and I guess I guess if you don't like uh, music news and like staying in, in touch <laughs> with what's going on then I guess keep doing what you're doing but if you do like that you should be checking out left of the dial dot fm because Jen and uh, and co because uh, you've got some other writers involved and whatnot mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, Get like some doing some, writers, yeah, some really cool stuff. They're really trying to keep the 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 finger on the pulse, so to speak. And you know, like it's been, yes, it's sir. been. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so we don't sorry. we don't have to say for the you know, <laughs> never apologize for that. We don't <laughs> have to say for the three thousandth time that it's been a, a a really weird and rough year, couple years for musicians. Mm-hmm. It has, you know that, uh, but. Yeah, you know, we're we're doing our own our part as much as we can to to keep keep uh, people in the spotlight, keep those voices heard and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. Um, and you know what the 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 you know grow up in a barn joke uh, combined with my, me forgetting that this band uh, was from Chicago uh, mm-hmm. actually makes the the title of the last track that we're going to cover today that much sweeter. Uh you know, Chicago being of course in the Great Lakes, which are known for their lake effect snow. <laughs> and uh we're we're gonna we're gonna end it off today with the the track Lake Effect Kid. And I feel like if there's one single lesson to take away from today's episode, it's the reminder of the idea that in a lot of cases, in probably most cases, there are there are more things that connect us than separate us. Uh because I too grew up in the like effect belt, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously not in Chicago in, in rural upstate New York. Uh, and I don't quite get nostalgic specifically for where I grew up, but there is something about that, that region that, that those of us who grew up there, uh, do kind of understand. And, and mm-hmm. y- you never do forget, you never do let go of, even if you say that you have, uh, and, uh, while I've never personally lived in Chicago, I can absolutely see that that pull. If you if you leave it of, of wanting to to come back, um, this song is a wild ride. <laughs> this is is this their their most recent release? This was twenty eighteen.
1: So uh, that's that is that's a yes and a no. That's okay. complicated. No, um, fair enough. So a little a little background on this song very quickly is. Yeah um it was part of a, a mixtape that they released in like 2008 okay. um the demo version of it and not even the whole song um was on it and it was like something that i think people were really excited for and were hoping would be on the album that came out right after that um and it didn't and okay. it just kind of like would pop up here and there if you were somebody who would like go back and listen to this mixtape um which was pretty like pretty like uh rough in terms of, like, production and all. I think they put it together pretty quickly. Um, and it was them and a bunch of other artists on Pete's label. And so, um, and I think they played it once when they came back from, uh, they played, like, the chorus of it once when they came back from hiatus in 2013. And then it suddenly, after ma- right after Mania, um, which is their most recent release, unless you count their two singles um, that they put out in, gotcha. in the last couple of years, Um so in 2018, then it it dropped officially with a full version. So this song was 10 years in the making. It was just a little EP. It's three songs, and they're all in some way about Chicago. Fall Out Boy loves Chicago the way that like I love New Jersey. Um, they like I don't know how many references to that city show up in their music, mm-hmm. um, and I I love I love that. I'm I'm down for anybody who reps their uh their hometown, state, city, whatever, as as hard as they do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so all that to say, it is one of their newer and also one of their older songs at
2: the okay. same time. That actually is is really interesting. Um, like musically, and and so much of this comes in like the de- decisions on uh, the the production side of like what instruments, what sounds are they going to go for, and less in the writing of the song. Mm-hmm. But musically, this takes you on a journey from like 80s metal to, like, <laughs> 80s pop to, like, Motown to, like, soul, like, all like uh, like all across the, the musical spectrum, like, there, there's not, like, one style that you can pin down and say that this song definitively is, but there is a connective tissue running through it that is still very uh, Fall Out Boy, but again, mm-hmm. this, uh, much like a couple of the other songs that we've heard tonight, this is not like anything else that I've heard from them, uh, and... It's, it's fun to be, to, if you have an impression of a band as being like, you know, very kind of one-dimensional or like single style or whatnot, it's fun to be proven wrong. It's fun, mm-hmm. like, whether you like the band or not, to see uh, how much that they actually are
1: capable of. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of that tonight, and I think that that's really fucking cool. That, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. I think they're a band that whether you like them or dislike them, they, like, I have heard so many people say, or less so lately because they're less in the public eye, mm-hmm. but them like, they sound like every other pop punk band and all of those bands that they're talking about are the ones that <laughs> came from them. Like, there's a direct line. It goes, like, it goes, like, bands like Green Day and Lifetime to bands like Fall Out Boy to bands like, um, oh, my God. Um, I can't think of a single one of those bands that or in my head right now, um, like A Day to Remember or, mm-hmm. um, you know, that sort of like the ones who were a little like outside of my, I was a little bit past like picking up those new bands at the time. I've come back around. Anyway, all that to say, yeah, um, it's it's interesting because I think whether you think their music is shitty or not, if you actually listen to it, you can, they're, so much is different from song to song, from album to album. And again, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing or they do it well, um, I just think the the criticism that's been heaped on them is is just like factually, objectively inaccurate in that way.
2: Yeah, I I, I can definitely say that it is it is unfair and undeserved. Um, now, I think that there may be as you know other criticisms of them that would be more valid oh, for but- sure. But that, like, oh, they sound like everyone else. Well, mm-hmm. uh, again, to your point, a lot of why they sound like everyone else is because a lot of people wanted to sound like them. <laughs> right, and right. You know what? Like, the, you, you could say the, the same thing. Like, oh my God, for if I had a dollar for every time someone told me that, like, well, why don't, what do you mean you don't like Led Zeppelin? Every band you like <laughs> was influenced by them. Cool. Great. <laughs> so, like, it's the, the same idea. Like, there are probably mm-hmm. a lot of bands out there that sound like all their famous bands who came before them. And that doesn't mean that that band was doing it wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, hell yeah. Andrea, thank you for uh, for bringing me on this journey and for for thank allowing you. me a, uh, a deeper glimpse and a, a deeper appreciation for uh, our mutual favorite band.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was hoping was secretly at the end of this, you'd come around and you'd say... Paul well, is actually, I know that that will never, I would never try to. Listeners, I'm not <laughs> expecting that from any of you either. Thank you, Caleb, so much for being open to doing yeah. this. Um, I have a feeling I've probably already destroyed any cred that I may have built by being part of the Left of the Dial project um, <laughs> up to this point by by bringing this band.
2: But I don't. I don't care. If there was any cred in this show, I would have destroyed it a long time ago. <laughs>
1: I love that. This is, you know what? <laughs> That's what I want this podcast to be. We're all, I am like staunchly opposed to the idea of the guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's judgmental and tiresome and all, And we could talk about that all day, but we've been recording for so long. But um, I'm sure we'll have a chance um, in, in upcoming episodes. So I want every episode to be destroying cred in some way, shape, or form. Hell yes. Uh, from now on.
2: Join us this, on this, this journey, listeners. <laughs>
1: This is so fun. So, so Caleb, you and I will be back next week with your pick. Yeah, I can't wait to find out what you're gonna. It's totally gonna awesome.
2: Bring. I've I've definitely thought of it already.
1: <laughs> and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know what else we say at the end here. So I'm gonna. What would uh, you say if you were if you were Caleb? You are Caleb. If you were Kitsy, what would you be saying right now?
2: Um, well, if if I were Kitsy, I would be saying. This has been Left of the Dial. I have been, in this case, Kitsie, uh, or in your case, Andrea. Caleb mm-hmm. has been Koi. And <laughs> we'll be back right. next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>